Hello, everyone, and welcome to Grow With Us. My name is Evan Barton, and I'm your host who helps create conversations with the movers and shakers of a growing tech center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Grow With Us is a podcast that highlights the work of In Tulsa and informs you about the exciting and innovative work being done around the city by its best and brightest. In Tulsa's mission is to connect talented individuals and companies to stimulate economic growth in Tulsa and to create more prosperous communities across the region. Each episode, Grow With Us discusses the growth of opportunities, the growth of communities striving for change, or the tech and innovation that is changing the landscape of Tulsa. This week, we're in conversation with Connor Godfrey, Manager of Cybersecurity and Data Analytics Portfolio at Tulsa Innovation Labs. Connor, it's so great to have you on. Evan, it's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, this is going to be such a great conversation. I've been waiting for a really long time to get someone from the TIL team in the recording booth, and you're you're so lucky to be the first one. <laughs> I hope I live up to the billing. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, Connor, I always like to start with kind of uh, just a really quick introduction on kind of who you are, and um, you can just tell us your story in whatever way you feel comfortable. Sure. So, Connor Godfrey, and I think uh, every time I tell my own story, I tell it a little bit differently. Uh, so let's talk about how I got to Tulsa. How about that? Yeah. Uh, there are West African deserts involved. There's a woman involved. It's quite a story. Oh my goodness. I'm ready. Yeah. Buckled. All right. Here we go. <laughs> so I was a Peace Corps volunteer many moons ago in, uh, in Guinea in West Africa and picked up a few languages, uh, picked up some kind of relevant cultural experience. And then that was in 2007, 2008. Uh, global war on terror in full swing. And so yeah. kind of took the uh, Peace Corps boy and, and turned him into a counterterrorism official and, and in a few years, if you will. Wow. Uh, and so I kind of was part of the, the CT world for a long time. Um, that was mostly in West and North Africa and involved a few different stints back in DC. Uh, but honestly, it was a great decade. But wow. I think at the end of that decade, like many other Americans, I was beginning to sour on the CT fight. I think at first it feels like you are aligned with the mission and then it feels like better you than someone else. Yeah. And then I think at the end, I felt like this is not the type of thing you can phone in. Uh, you need to be in it to win it and totally mission aligned. Yeah. And I think my family and I were starting to look for what the next chapter was. I promise you there was a woman involved as well. But uh, my <laughs> lovely wife is from Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Uh, right around that time, we had a two, you know, we had a new baby. We had family responsibilities out here, and I think we'd had our eye on Tulsa for a decade. Yeah, and you know, for my wife who grew up around here, Tulsa was never even on her map. Right, and yeah. she grew up forty-five minutes north. But um, by the time we were looking for our next chapter, you know, this innovation ecosystem was well on its way, and this yeah. felt like, wait a second, you know, we we can make a life here, right? Um, and that thesis has been validated in the last two years since we landed. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I love to hear that. I mean, I think that everyone's kind of path either here and back and kind of back again sometimes is really interesting because it, it kind of involves a bunch of different life paths. I mean, it's not, you've had international experiences that kind of led you to uh, make decisions about your life and kind of how... It, it's interesting to, to see how kind of Tulsa plays into that story too. Life's so. complicated. You oh, know, yeah. If people give you a simple story, it's <laughs> it's just that. But, oh, yeah. And, and I'll tell you this in terms of just kind of family overlapping with career. You know, you might be able to tell me that there's a better sushi restaurant in San Francisco than in Tulsa. You cannot tell me there's a better place in the world to be a two-year-old than Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh. Um, I mean, 
I, I know we're going to talk about cyber and data, but let's <laughs> lead with the important thing. I mean, uh, truly a paradise to grow up. Oh, yeah. I need to be a two-year-old again. <laughs> I wish I could go back. <laughs> yeah, I want to be a two-year-old again. I, I think I would love to experience um, this city now like that. I mean, the gathering place, the Discovery Lab. Have you been to the Discovery Lab? I've been to the Discovery Lab. I mean, every every Tulsan with a two-year-old is there on Saturday morning if you want to join us. In <laughs> fact, if you'd like to try it out, I'm happy to lend you a two-year-old uh, for a weekend. Yes. I, yeah. Like We were talking about this earlier. I have a two-year-old cat, but I don't think that they um, necessarily equate to the same experience. Uh, probably unwelcome at the Discovery Lab. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I put them on a leash. Anyways, <laughs> you've kind of mentioned, you, you definitely talked about your story getting here to Tulsa, but let's, let's talk a little bit about how maybe your wife's miscon or not necessarily misconceptions, but your con conceptions of Tulsa have changed over the years as you, as you've interacted with the city. Sure. I think I need to cop to a fair amount of ignorance over the last 10 years, right? I, I um, grew up on the East coast. Uh, I was kind of a mud from the Northeast, um, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Connecticut, Maine, uh, then moved overseas for almost a decade. And so Never really had a chance to revise my priors on what was going on in the Midwest. Um, by the way, the debate over Midwest versus Plains rages in my household. So oh, I don't know. I, I can't believe I just said that. My, my wife will <laughs> have my head. Um, We've chatted so, about that so much on, the, on this podcast and just like in my personal life, too. So I would say like my, my indigenous side, like wants to say Oklahoma is the Southern Plains. And that's the only way to describe it. But there's everyone has a different opinion. No, let's disagree. We're right. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think that I never understood that Tulsa had unique assets, not just distinct, but truly unique assets. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, unless you're given a reason to specifically consider it, um, you know, why would you? Right. Yeah. Um, and so I went from thinking that it was an oil town on the plains with fading glory and the oil business moving to Houston, right? Uh, to realizing that it was actually the center of energy innovation, um, not to mention still the kind of midstream capital, mm -hmm. that it had kind of genuine expertise in cybersecurity, uh, in advanced aerial mobility, right? So we can talk about some of these sectors, but this is not just a collection of assets. It's a collection of rather unique and powerful assets yeah. and some unique resources that that other towns simply can't bring to bear. Yeah. And I think culturally, too, Tulsa has like a couple of things that really set it aside from other cities. Like um, I, I just think about uh, things like the gathering place. I know it's a new thing, but like those are the, the gathering places like uh, it's basically Central Park in New York City, but in Oklahoma, like like how did that even happen? No, I was... <laughs> You're right. To to correct me in some ways, I'm I'm listing a litany of economic assets, but that that's not that's my work. That's not the story. Well, in arts and you music know? too, or, oh or what I think about just growing yeah. up here and in high school. I mean, like this was the place for for music in the kind of mid, uh, I guess, like popularity scene that I wanted. Like I got, sure. I would get to see the smaller bands because they actually came to Tulsa. The headliners, you know, obviously that they they still go to the arenas and sell those out, but like. I, I want to see the smaller people and they'll come to the Canes. They'll go to Mercury. They'll, like, that's, that's such a cool aspect of the city. 20 feet from the stage. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. Um, you kind of talking about um, the, the assets and, and kind of the economic perspective too. It kind of lends to a lot of what your work is at Tulsa Innovation Labs. So for those that might not be familiar, what is Tulsa Innovation Labs and what do you do there? So I will absolutely answer that question. Let me give you a little bit of context for why you need something like Tulsa Innovation Labs, yeah. right? So Tulsa is in competition with 
every other mid-sized city in America for the same talent, many of the same companies, cultural assets, right? I mean, I think there's plenty of collaboration to go around. And listen, I've, I've been a, in the State Department for a long time. You know, I, I'm kind of America. You know, I'd like to see us as as collaborators, not competitors. But yeah. there's a reality that we're in competition with other cities in this belt, right? Um, and what that means is you need discipline and economic development. If you try to be everything, you will spread yourself too thin as a city, and you can't reach kind of critical mass or call, call it takeoff velocity in certain sectors. Mm-hmm. So Tulsa Innovation Labs was a, a brainchild of the George Kaiser Family Foundation, and it was invented, if you will. It was developed to provide that discipline to economic uh, development investments in town. So we brought in some uh, kind of brand name consultancy help coming on three years now. And we went through an exercise where we crosswalked Tulsa's legacy assets, which are many, right? Yeah. With industries that are not so consolidated elsewhere that a million person town on the plains with some unique resources couldn't make a a play for kind of valuable market share of those industries. I think, you know, Tulsa is not going to be, uh, you know, in the silicon business, right? Tulsa is not going to be Detroit, right? Where mm-hmm. that, that would be silly. And I think we'd be kind of chasing dreams there. Yeah. So when we when we crosswalk these two categories, we ended up with five specific sectors where we feel Tulsa has what we call a right to win. Yeah. Cybersecurity, data analytics, energy tech, and kind of energy innovation, advanced aerial mobility, which is uh, I think kind of UA uh, unmanned aerial systems tech and testing, and then digital health. And in each one of these sectors, we have assets that are difficult to replicate elsewhere. I'll give you a few examples. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the the, the social aspects that we uh, brought up at the beginning of this call or in Northeast Oklahoma is that it's, this is the densest Native American population in America, yeah. right? And I think it adds cultural richness. But in this particular case, uh, tribal nations are also excellent partners in the advanced aerial mobility space, yeah. where you can. Um, have partnerships to do kind of interesting testing on tribal land that is very difficult to do elsewhere. So Northeast Oklahoma is a kind of natural fit for a commercial drone testing ecosystem. In addition to other, I mean, aerospace manufacturing, uh, you know, American Airlines maintenance, et cetera. If we chat about cyber, um, I think we have a long list of assets. And yeah. I can just list a few uh, for Tulsans that don't know. We have a top 25 university in cybersecurity. So the University of Tulsa is tied with Harvard in terms of their cybersecurity program. And if you were to push a bit further on that in terms of operational technology, anything that's kind of a cyber physical system, yeah. uh, we actually punch further above our demographic weight than that. Right? That's a real specialty here in Tulsa. Um, we have major cyber consumers. So um, you might think of kind of war fighting capabilities when you think of cyber. Let's put that aside for a second, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's talk about critical infrastructure, uh, attacks on pipelines, healthcare infrastructure, utility infrastructure, mm-hmm. um, aerospace manufacturing, right? The, uh, I mean, we have 200 midstream energy companies uh, that, that keep the lights on, right? So these are critical infrastructure providers that are particularly vulnerable to cyber attack. Um, and this is not something that we can defend. Well, in part, it's not something we can defend from Fort Meade or the NSA, right? Like yeah. this, this has to be done in our backyard. And yeah. so um, we've got the talent coming out of TU and we can talk about other places that that cyber talent's emerging. Yeah. Uh, we have the cyber consumers um, that are in desperate need of new technology and talent and ideas. Um, 
And then we have kind of relationships with national agencies. There, there's many things here that we, we could we could dive into, but there's we have a right to win in cyber, yeah. if you will. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think that was I've I've heard about Tulsa Innovation Labs like since I've started, and honestly, that was like the most succinct <laughs> definition of it that I've ever heard. So I oh, really, I'm glad we can give it. That was awesome. I, I really appreciate that explanation. I really think that um, kind of just touching on your first point um, about the collaboration with the tribes just being really personally meaningful to me and something that I really want to see um, Tulsa do and and kind of play in is like how do we incorporate um, tribes in kind of these like like you said these critical infrastructures and also um, the economic development beyond these legacy industries. Um, and when I think about the legacy industries, it seems like the tribes, uh, from my perspective, have been kind of historically excluded from, I guess, really winning in those spaces. But this is a collaborative effort that's going to be built alongside and in collaboration with that I think is really going to help a lot of the equity that needs to go on in the city. And I don't know, it's, it's just it's so interesting to kind of see how this economic development and the the tribal nations like can kind of grow together in a place that I don't really think other cities have that kind of infrastructure to do. So I'm I'm just really excited about that stuff too. I couldn't agree more. And I'd say this, just returning to the why Tulsa story. I think you know if you are um, if you're kind of a low information consumer on Tulsa, right? You have no real reason, no family connections. What what do you hear about? You hear about the race massacres, right? You hear about you know killers of the flower moon, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it is crucial that we are leaning in and not away from those stories, right? Like that, that is why I want to be in Tulsa. Yeah. I don't want to be in a place that's brushing that under the rug. I think that unless we are, we are building these sectors with those stories in mind and kind of in the shadow of black wall street, then we're just like anywhere else in the country. Right. I mean, so, yeah. uh, I, I, it's very important to, I know to Tulsa Innovation Labs, I know to the George Kaiser Family Foundation and to me personally that, uh, yeah, we, we continue to lean into those stories. Yeah. I, whenever I first started kind of in this ecosystem, it was right before, uh, the year, I guess that the centennial was. And so there was so much going on and, and our organization about like, what are we going to do to kind of like commemorate this in like an equitable way? And just seeing all of the conversations that we're having in you know, I could have been critical and said, oh, well, these conversations are 10 years late, which it can be true, but or 100 or 100 years yeah. late. Exactly. But um, it was just really cool to kind of see what has come from that now, just being on the other side of it. I mean, we, we could talk about the work of Bill in Tulsa, who we've had on the podcast before, but it's just it's really cool to kind of see all these things work together to kind of build that equity um, it, ingrained in what we're all building. I mean, we're we're going to get into kind of what you're building uh, at TIL and everything. So I'm I'm. I guess it's it's just really cool to kind of have these conversations. I love it. <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, I mean, I know you'd agree with this, but it's also up to the community to hold our feet to the fire. Right? Yeah, I mean that um, that's a that's something that we need to earn initiative by initiative. And if uh, you know, it doesn't really matter what the branding is. I think if if Tulsans from various backgrounds do not feel that they are part of this, yeah. then you know that's on us. And I think perception is just as powerful as reality. And so uh, I'm glad you know. I'll speak for myself. You know, I have a number of collaborators that represent different constituencies in Tulsa and, you know, they want to know what those key performance indicators are and yeah. they want to know if we're meeting them. And I think that collaboration is always contingent upon um, making those numbers real. Yeah. And that's a great point too, that I want to encourage anyone listening to is that if you identify in or belong to any of these groups, um, that where things are being built in, in your, not necessarily in your name, but in your interest, 
um, have an interest, <laughs> have a vested interest because it's going to affect you, can affect your legacy, uh, the, the, your familial legacy, um, your, I guess, growth potential in a lot of ways. I think that's something that um, just as a young person, I'm trying to challenge myself with is that I need to have opinions on things that are going to affect me going forward, just via political climate, et cetera, all of these things. I need to start being more opinionated and letting people know. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it is on. So I'm, maybe I'm, I'm correcting the spelling, but I, I feel like you actually agree. But it is certainly not, I think, the foundation's vision, certainly not Tulsa Innovation Lab's vision to kind of build things for people. Yeah. Because I think yeah. um, I'm, I, am, uh, I am a white male from, you know, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Connecticut, right? Like I, uh, if, if I'm designing things for various communities in Tulsa, we've already lost, right? Yeah. So it is all about, I think, kind of co-creating some of these things. Um, anyway, that's perhaps uh, goes without saying, but no, I think, it, I think it totally goes with saying, yeah. but um, kind of let's pivot a little bit in this conversation and kind of yeah. talk about um, you mentioned uh, the competition in in this yeah. space. And I think it's a really important conversation to have, uh, especially with asset building and economic development. Um, who, who and how are we competing with uh, these other, these other... You're going to get me in trouble here, by the way. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. So here's what I'd say. I think that, um, first point, we are trying to be, uh, and this sounds like a bumper sticker, probably is somewhere, you know, we're trying to be a Tulsa 2.0. We're not trying to be Austin or San Francisco, right? I think uh, chasing the specific growth path of other cities is a fool's errand, right? They, they were building off different legacy assets, different geographies, different histories, et cetera. So Tulsa 2.0. That being said, of course, we think about kind of our regional competitors, right? Yeah. Um, so I would point uh, any listeners to the Economy Forward Framework, mm -hmm. which was put out by the Aspen Institute uh, Heartland Forward, kind of a, a think tank around Heartland economic issues and Tulsa Innovation Labs. And basically, this is how we are deciding to keep score. And uh, it builds on kind of our vision of a thriving and inclusive Tulsa as being what success looks like as opposed to just top line economic figures. Yeah. So there are kind of nods to quality of place, to accessibility and inclusivity, and of course, a lot of the top line economic numbers that cities must care about. Mm -hmm. um, so we'd put that out there. You know, when I think about what cities we're competing with in cyber, I think about places like San Antonio. Um, I think about places like Nashville. I think about Kansas City. Uh, if I'm getting ambitious, I think about places like Boston. Yeah. Um, I think about places like Huntsville, Alabama. I think about um, Pittsburgh and Carnegie Mellon. And there's, I have a bit of a, of a mental map, if you will, of... Uh -huh mid to larger size cities with cyber assets or the types of consumers that, that uh, give them an edge. Yeah. And honestly, like, let's compete and win. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> it sounds like you're the, you're the head coach and we're, <laughs> it's, uh, I was a sports kid going up. So we've got, uh, we've got a, a, a division, if you will, of like football. Here we go. Let's go to the cyber, the cyber uh, playoffs. Hey, we're in the right state for that <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> exactly. Um, so kind of framing this conversation a little bit around ways to get involved or interact with the work that Tulsa Innovation Labs does. Um, and, and you could talk more specifically about your, your niche as well, but, um, what are some of the ways that Tulsans can get involved and interact with the work that you are doing in the ecosystem? You bet. So let's keep the, the kind of competition framework for a second. 
how do cities compete on cyber? The number one issue is cyber talent, yeah. right? We are in a death match with every other city in the world, certainly in America, yeah. for cyber talent. This is one place where we have a bit of an edge, right? So we are, compared to other cities, we have some academic assets, we have some programs that are, to say we're producing a surplus of cyber talent is actually an oxymoron because we're going to be 3.5 million cyber jobs short in America. No, no one's producing a surplus, Yeah, but we can compete on that score. And a lot of what I'll tell you about in a second is helping us do so. Yeah, I think employers being willing to hire that cyber talent is huge. So let's certainly talk about that. Yeah. Um, and then you have what I'd call the kind of startup ecosystem and you need IP exiting kind of our university system that is helping to spin off companies to license new technology. So kind of the innovation pieces of this. So talent, uh, the enterprise customers and innovation and IP and in that bucket, I would include our university system. Yeah. But uh, without talent, the latter two don't matter. So let's talk about talent for a second. And honestly, that is in our kind of five-year plan, recognizing the importance of talent to everything else we might do. We have spent most of the last year focusing on workforce. So we have two flagship programs at the moment, uh, very different. So we have a doctoral fellowship at the University of Tulsa that is for kind of cyber titans is the way we describe them. Uh, many come from the region, some nationally, a few internationally. These are folks from a number of cyber data or kind of cyber adjacent disciplines. But we are recruiting them not to go into the academy. We want them to leave their PhD, start companies, license technology. We want them in the market, yeah. right? And specifically in the market in Tulsa. So we recruit 15 each year. Um, we are looking for the best and brightest, and we are certainly looking for diverse candidates. And so if uh, that sounds like you, you are in uh, data or a cyber or, or even a mechanical engineering, petroleum engineering program, um, and that sounds intriguing to you, uh, please get in touch. Uh, we'll guide you to the right place. This program is fully supported. It's not just fully supported from a tuition and a stipend standpoint, but we, there's a kind of a white glove service element to making sure that you are rooted in the Tulsa innovation ecosystem, have access to venture capital, have access to mentors. Uh, I, can essentially assure you there's there's not another university that will provide this type of service. We we want you that bad, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's truly something that's going to set the set any program apart, hopefully from other programs out there. I mean, just like being able to get integrated into an ecosystem that's not only going to help you professionally, but also establish personally, like your connection to Tulsa and your mean, community, your sure. community here. And yeah. I, I think that uh, it's it's an awesome program that I, I I hope that people really consider and 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 reach out and get involved in. Please. And I, I also, I left out a kind of key differentiator here, which is that it's actually co-managed by the University of Tulsa, Tulsa Innovation Labs. We do the kind of rootedness here in Tulsa. And then an Israeli venture creation and venture capital firm called Teammate. They're an uh, international brand, one of the top cybersecurity names in the game. And they are essentially... You have a faculty advisor, and then you have a teammate advisor who's constantly pushing your research towards you know, immediate industrial application. Again, we're not looking for people in the academy here where they are crucial, but that's just not part of this program. Yeah. But let's talk about something totally different. So um, I think when you're thinking about big problems, you need to attend to the scale of the problem, yeah. right? So you can create really excellent technical solutions, but if it's not going to move, move the needle, then 
it's a bit you know academic to stay in this metaphor. Mm-hmm. So yesterday we just launched a flagship partnership with Tulsa Community College, which I am thrilled about. And so I'll I'll try not to gush. Uh, and see and if it's I, gush if I, worthy. Is it, can we can we gush? Right. Yes, please do. So um, this is our our attempt to scale and diversify the cyber workforce. Those are the the specific goals. So without trying to drown folks in too much detail, basically, you know, Tulsa Community College is our most diverse higher ed institution. Um, it serves traditionally underserved uh, Tulsans across a number of variables. They're kind of the no-brainer partner for this. Um, and they've played a role in kind of upskilling, uh, future-proofing our workforce for, for many decades at this point. Mm-hmm. So we have brought in some other operators um, to run what is essentially a 24-week, highly flexible boot camp style um, program, one track in cyber and one in data analytics. And after you graduate from this program, you have three options. Take your new skills right to the workforce. So with uh, the help of TCC Career Services and and a bunch of other help that would take too long to go into, you can get credit for that boot camp towards an associate's degree or a four-year transfer. Right now, we have agreements with TU and OSU. Or, and this is, I think, the novel part of this, is that you can move into a tech apprenticeship. And we have a, another provider, the name is Skillstorm, where basically if you graduate the first part and you kind of fit the right profile, which we're keeping very broad, um, you can get 10 additional weeks of training and then get slotted onto a national contract remotely for Bank of America, for Citigroup, or with one of our, our local employers. I should probably mention at the top that this is all free, right? <laughs> There's the guys. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, so, uh, yeah, totally free to the student. And it's not just free. You know, we recognize that most of the barriers are not necessarily financial. It's childcare. It's you know transportation. It's um, the right equipment or internet access in the home. Yeah. Um, so we have um, budget and providers lined up for these wraparound services. And the idea here is that if you are a qualified Tulsan for this program, we can talk about the profiles that I think would succeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, we want to get rid of any other barrier um, to make sure that you can level up your career. So um, we went live yesterday. We have almost 100 applications out of today That's in awesome. 24 hours. Um I'm I'm thrilled with this. Oh, uh, yeah, that so is, that is so awesome. I'm gonna just add in my um my praise, I guess, really fast, and oh, and and just talk about like why this is so important to me as someone that's kind of tangentially involved um in this work. But I I just think that the the novel parts that you mentioned about it, one being completely free, and then two that like apprenticeship um, opportunity is is so interesting and unique. I um I came from college in New Hampshire and it seemed like that was what everybody was able to the the corporate recruiting that was going on there was like getting people access to these opportunities that seemed so exclusive and only regionally specific and when I came back to Tulsa it was like okay I have a four-year degree but like what do I where do I where's hiring what do I even do with it and um I think that I, I think that really something that is that is really important about this program is that like a college is really partnering with the workforce uh, partners that are going to really provide the opportunities here that they're going to help you network. They're going to help you figure out what you want to do. I mean, that was something that I had gone to college for four years trying to figure out what I wanted to do. 
And then I didn't have a place to land where I could safely explore that until I kind of got into this ecosystem. And I I don't know, I just wanted to highlight that piece as such an important part of this program, because it's not like something that you go to a school and then you get a piece of paper and then figure it out on your own. We're we're not in that game anymore, which is great. And I would say that, you know, a traditional barrier is just kind of understanding what, uh, what, what we're talking about. Let me put this to you, Evan. When I say cyber, what does cyber mean to you? Oh my gosh. I mean, like you said, I, it, it makes me first think of like the international threats or sure. like the, like you said, the protecting from cyber terrorism, I think is kind of what you were talking about at the beginning. But yeah, those, those are the first things that I think of right. or a firewall. <laughs> right. You know, people associated with crime, right. Mm-hmm. And so let, let's take a moment to kind of demystify it because I actually think the term itself is, is a, is a barrier to access. Mm-hmm. So for, you know, basically we're talking about how do you protect information and systems? Mm-hmm. And there are a variety of tools to do that. But many of these roles have core skills that Tulsans are going to recognize. Mm-hmm. Customer service, right? Kind of professionalism and soft skills. Um, management, right? Project management skills. We, we can teach you the tech, right? That, that's in some ways, it's the easy part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to underplay the fact that like there's a broad sp- skill spectrum inside cybersecurity and data analytics. And so we're, we're yeah. talking about a piece of this. But um, if you are a, let, let me get into the three different types of folks that we think are we're targeting in this first cohort. Yeah. So the first would be mid-career switchers. So these are folks with five plus years of experience. So you're maybe you're 25 to 40 somewhere. Um, you have been working in retail sales, you in hospitality, you maybe have been a technical support specialist in, 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 a, in a, you know, a technical field or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how to talk to customers. You know how to manage time. You possibly have some exposure to a basic kind of CRM type platform. Um, so you're, you're digitally literate. You've got some exposure, but you've never thought about cyber or data analytics, right? Yeah. You can succeed in this program because you have those core professionalism skills and just enough exposure that I think with some reorientation and some, some new training, you're going to be off and running. So yeah. that's our first bucket. The next bucket would be early career, but a bit more tech savvy. So maybe you've only got one or two years of experience. You've been doing kind of um, entry-level accounting or kind of entry-level professional services of some type, but you're, you know, you know your way around uh, some database software. You um, have experimented maybe with a little bit of coding, but totally not necessary, but you're a bit more tech savvy, but maybe don't have as much of the consumer facing kind of client interaction but still think that you are a good target for this program. And then finally, oh, I should mention, neither of those buckets need a four-year degree. Mm-hmm. And we should talk about the four-year degree thing. I think that's actually yeah. the key to this. But um, then the, fourth, the third bucket would be four-year degree, limited professional experience, but maybe you got your four-year degree in, um, in a non-technical field. You, it hasn't quite paid out like you wanted it to. And you, know, you want to reorient towards something that has high growth like cyber or data. Mm-hmm. So those are the profiles. There are many other people that could benefit, but we have to, I think, think of specific targets, at least at the beginning. Yeah. Um, so if you fit any of those descriptions, we want to talk to you. TCC's Cyber Skills Center. It's going to be great. There it is. Yeah. I love it. Um, let's kind of also talk about, too, um, at, at least something for me that like, I, that kind of goes along with that question of like, what do you think of when, I, uh, when I, you think of cyber? And and even like, what do I think about when I think of data analytics? It's like, sure. um, how do how does someone explore an interest in that field? What are some things that you can kind of play with? Um, maybe 
in your leisure time or whatever to kind of understand like, oh, this might be an interest to me. I, I always find it really interesting to, to, to see what people like you might, might say to that just because um, it, it's sometimes hard to understand where do, where do you even get an exposure to cyber or like work, like you said, working in some type of uh, CRM or a data management system? Sure. Let me answer that in two ways. I think one is general kind of interest groups that I think uh, are a good fit and then maybe some specifics. So on the interest group side, don't think about cyber. Let's break it down into core skills and exposure, right? Um, do you like solving puzzles? That's really what cybersecurity is. It's solving puzzles. Mm. Do you like... Um, yes. Oh, yes. I okay. <laughs> no, I mean, we can make this about you. But, um, Jesse's also yeah. raising his head. <laughs> uh, are you a gamer? Yes. Right? So, okay. So you, you know, you like working your way through puzzles. You like interacting with other people in digital environments. Um, you know, are you, uh, I think we already talked about, like good at translating uh, technical issues to the end consumer, right? Yes, I've been tech yeah. support for my family for about uh, 15 years. Ex exactly, <laughs> right? And so, I mean, think about maybe you've been in, um, you've been in, in sales for, an oil and gas equipment company or a pipeline company, right? And so, no, no there you go. <laughs> but you know, someone who has experience essentially taking, understanding enough of the technical needs, absorbing them, yeah. and then kind of reproducing them in a way that the clients understand. Um, all of these are are kind of uh, very transferable. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you have any kind of I think uh, higher level software engineering and, and skill that that's going to help you a lot. But yeah. I'm trying to start with 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 the basics, specifics. We live in the golden age of free digital education, right? You are you are one Google search away from free courses on any aspect of cybersecurity that you'd like or data analytics. Uh, so I, I, honestly, it's a simple suggestion, but I would start there. Right? Yeah. I would look for an intro course. Um, you know, maybe what and figure maybe. What specifically interests you? you know, do you like the anatomy of a hack, right? How, do, how does uh, an attacker get into a network? Do you like um, talking about policy, right? Do you like thinking about what could employees do, right? The human element is, is how it's usually referred to. So what, what mm -hmm. could employees do to be more secure? Um, do you like the kind of defense and national security elements of this, right? Do you want to work kind of in the military or military adjacent in the intelligence community? Um, you know, there's just like any field, there there are a number of paths, and I think it can be very intimidating when you don't have enough info on all of those. Yeah. But look for an intro course online. Uh, look for something free. If it's intriguing, stop taking that. Come over to the Cyber Skills Center. We'll take you from there. No, that's that's a great answer. I think uh, kind of how I think about anyone thinking about tech or how to position yourself in the industry. I like to think about tech as like a Venn diagram with tech being one circle and then literally any of your other interests right. can be the other circle. Like like you mentioned gaming. I mean, that's a lot of people, a lot of people's that are a lot of people that end up coding or being game designers, like often start with the uh, coding or like a software engineering program or any some type of exposure to that. And that's truly based on the fact that they played games all their life. And like that's they almost speak that language. And also way. music, music, too. Uh, there's a there's tons of data on the kind of crossover between uh, people interested in music and with some musical skills yeah. into, into technology and coding. Uh, I know um, I'll put, a, put in a plug for Tulsa's uh, Software Academy Holberton. Yeah. Um, fantastic program. You can find lots of details online. 
but uh, I know that they they have seen a lot of referrals for kind of practicing musicians and people in the musical community. Yeah, that's a, uh, yeah. It just any any of those interests that that kind of Connor's mentioned are, are ways to kind of get involved and and think about exploring a new interest. So I, I love that you kind of laid it out like that for us. Connor, it's been amazing having this conversation with you. Um, is there anything that you would kind of add on to this conversation that we might not have covered um, from the top to bottom? Well, the pleasure has certainly been mine. <laughs> Let me gather my thoughts here. I think I have, uh, I want to flag the degree issue again, yeah. because I think it's key around workforce. And then I'll give you a bit of a roadmap to finish out. But um we have lived in a world where employers have used a four-year degree as a proxy for uh, qualifications. I think everyone has been dissatisfied with that for a long time, but it's very labor-intensive to do something else. So I, I have some sympathy for the HR managers who say, let's just, let's just put the degree on there. When we are dealing with a situation where uh, there are uh, between 500 and 1,000 open cyber jobs in Tulsa, let's take cyber specifically, uh, and we're looking at a multi-million dollar, uh, million dollar, excuse me, million person shortage nationwide over the next few years, mm -hmm. we need to break this down, right? Yeah. I, I think it's also a technical field. There's ways to assess qualifications, use certifications. I think the four-year degree has become not just superfluous in this particular field, but actually a hindrance to I, I don't mean to be grandiose, but American national security, right? Like we need, yeah. we need more people in this field and we certainly need it to look like America and not like the kind of elite slice of tech that it, it does at the moment. Yeah. So want to send that message out perhaps to employers. I think many of them already agree. It's more just the status quo is hard to revise. Um, what else would I tell you? Um, why don't we chat about roadmap? We've, we've talked yeah. about talent, right? So we've now got if you think about the larger suite, we've got this doctoral program. Uh, I would I would add the Holberton Software Academy, um, not exactly cyber, but just a phenomenal tech upskilling platform that folks should look into. And now we have this partnership with TCC. So I think of that as, as our workforce suite. I think over the next year or two, we will be moving into uh, more kind of venture creation activities yeah. and things I want you to look out for. I think we are doing some exploration at the intersection of cybersecurity and autonomous systems, which uh, I'm sure exactly what form it will take. But if, if that is a, uh, an interest to you, we are, we are looking for people with these rare expertises, if you will. Yeah. Um, we are also hoping to stand up um, some programs that would help uh, commercialize academic IP uh, across the ecosystem, especially in cyber and data. Also, some very interesting things coming down the pike in uh, privacy-enhanced data architecture and how to think about leading in data as a city. So, um, not trying to break news on on initiatives, but if these are are interests of yours, we are always looking for talent. Yeah. Uh, doubly so for kind of diverse talent and perspectives. Um, we're going to win in, in in these two areas. We really are. Um, I don't mean that twenty years from now. I mean that kind of now and moving forward in the next few years. So. Uh, if you want to be a part of that, you know, we want to talk to you. Yeah. And we'll, all these other cities will catch you in the playoffs. Yeah. It's, <laughs> well said. Uh, Connor, thank you so much. Um, last, last thing officially. Um, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, what's a great way to connect? Sure thing. Honestly, I'd suggest LinkedIn. Uh, I think it's just easier. Um, I mean, you're more than welcome to email me or, or track me down, but I think let's go with LinkedIn for the moment. 
That sounds great. All awesome. Right. Thank you so much for being on this episode of Grow With Us. For our listeners of Grow With Us, I'd like to plug a few resources that might be helpful for you. If you would like to stay in touch with all of our future jobs and opportunities at Intulsa, then please join our talent network. You can join at talent.intulsa.com. That's talent.intulsa.com. By joining our talent network, you will get access to our newsletter. We can stay up to date with our latest career advice, featured opportunities with Intulsa partner companies, and our placement success stories. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to be notified when more episodes of Grow With Us are released. Let us know what you think about how we're doing by rating and reviewing. Huge thank you to our editors at Rant9 Production and Jesse Ulrich. This has been Grow With Us.